The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information on our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. All right, church, I hope that you are doing well this morning. If you have your Bibles, would you grab them? And would you open with me, turn with me to the book of Titus? We are going to be looking at just two verses this morning, the last two verses of chapter one. So if you can find your place with me there. Over the past couple weeks, we've been talking about the importance of, the significance of both proclaiming and protecting the gospel. That our call is to both proclaim and to protect the gospel, and that Let's be specific here, that qualified leaders in the church would be able to both proclaim and protect the gospel. This is where we've been the last couple weeks. So as we think about the proclamation, that we would share the full truth of the gospel, that it is about what, it's not based on our works, what we have done. It's not based on how we contribute or what we will do, but salvation is in and through Jesus Christ in Christ alone. We proclaim that, but not only do we proclaim it, we protect it. We protect it against any distortions, any variations, any additions, subtractions, that we would be sure to tell the truth the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, that we would protect the gospel. Um, here in our letter, here in Titus, Paul is writing to Titus, and, and he is letting Titus know just how important this is, how vital this is, because, as, as Paul says, there are people from within who are looking to change this, who are looking to modify this, who would like to teach something else. And so last week we looked at the verses before this in verse 10, where Paul says, look out, there are people from within, they are misleading people in the church, they're upsetting, as Paul says, whole families. And if they're left unchecked, they're going to do great damage. In this context, it was a group called the Circumcision Party. Um, also called the Judaizers. And what they were doing was really simple. It was is that they were teaching and preaching a Jesus plus gospel. Jesus plus, meaning Jesus is great, you need him, but you also need to do this, and you also need to do that, and you also need to do that, and you know what, you need the law, and you know what, before you come to Jesus, you need to convert to Judaism, and you need to go through this step and that step. It was a Jesus plus Gospel And Paul is clear here to both proclaim and to protect the gospel and to have leaders who can both proclaim and protect the gospel. Um, anytime, anytime there is an addition or a modification against the gospel, the gospel itself is distorted and Paul says protect against this. So we're going to pick up here. We're going to pick up here the last two verses of, of chapter 1. I'm going to read it all for us. And then I'll walk slowly through it. All right, so this is verse 15. To the pure, all things are pure. But to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. 
So let's take this in. Let's take that first one. To the pure, all things are pure. But to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. You know what I think about when I think about this verse? Water. Pure, pure water. If you're from San Antonio, I'm not talking about San Antonio water. Amen. <laughs> Which, oh, it's so true. Um, when we first moved here, we found out that it is not optional to treat your water before it touches your appliances or your skin or your mouth. Like, it is not optional. It is a matter of, of, of great consequence that you get a water softener. So when we moved, we found out quickly that we needed one. And um, when you think of San Antonio water, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever tried to, if you've gone on the website and read about our water and the warnings that come with it, that's a good, if you're bored one day, to do that. But I'm not talking about that. When I, when I say I think about water, I'm thinking of the pure, that triple filtered, pure water. Um, nothing beats that. So when we first moved here, we got our water softener. And along with the softener, they installed this little, one of those little spouts by our sink. And that's like the magic water. It's like reverse double osmosis, triple filtered at the same time, unicorn blood, all of that is like in this thing. And the water that comes out, it's just perfect and pure, right? I'm talking about that water. Nothing beats that water. I think about that when I think about this verse. Um, I remember when our, our water was tested when we were getting this, and they pulled up a cup of water. It looked like a normal cup of water, but then they did the testing, and they found out what was in our water that like 10 minutes ago we were drinking. Um, and we understood, you know, all of a sudden we understood, you know, we always thought our water tasted off. Now this test has shown us why it tastes so off. But this new water is so refreshing. And here's the thing I noticed. With this new water, it's not just now that our water is really good. If you know me, you know I love coffee. My coffee is really good. My tea is really, really good. In other words, the water is pure, and because that water is pure, the things that the water produces is pure. Now, on the stage, I brought some water. On the surface, you can't tell. Like, you can't tell if this is that pure, triple-filtered, wonderful water, or if that is uh, good old San Antonio water. You can't tell. I guarantee if I poured you a cup, you could. I guarantee if you, if you tasted it, you could. Um, this is, by the way, San Antonio water. Don't drink it. That water back there, good water. This, no, don't drink it. But here's what I want to, I want to contrast. So just as pure water, good water, gives me good coffee, good tea, good ice, by the way, all of those things, 
the contrast is, is also the same. If I were to take this water and I were to combine it with the best coffee beans ever, ground in the moment where you can smell it, ground perfectly. I enjoy a French press, so coarse ground. We put it in there. It's, it's here. And then you were to take this and you were to warm that and then put that water in. Um, it doesn't matter how good how wonderful the coffee grounds are, when you make the water with grimy, nasty, bleh water, your coffee is grimy, nasty, bleh coffee. When you, when you have unpure water, the coffee, the tea, the drinks that it produces are contaminated as well. But when the water is pure, the coffee, the tea, the drinks are pure as well. To the pure... All things are pure. But to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. What is true about our water is true about us. Paul is driving us to look at our hearts, to examine our hearts. That the things that flow out of a pure heart are pure. The things that flow out of a unpure heart are not pure. Purity within will flow outward. That's what Paul is saying here. To those who are not pure, to those who are unbelieving, those who are defiled, nothing that flows out will be pure either. If the water is dirty, it doesn't matter how great your coffee beans are, that coffee will be impacted. Purity will flow out. And a lack of purity will flow outward as well. And it doesn't matter how much you dress it up. To the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled, unbelieving, nothing is pure. Both their minds and their consciences are defiled. We see the mind, what they think, what they reason, their intellect, and we see the conscience, what they feel, their moral compass, their sense of right and wrong. You see the parallel here of the defiled conscience and an unbelieving mind. And Paul says, from that place, nothing is pure. No action, no work, no thing that we do is pure, will be pure. When the water's bad, the coffee's bad. When the water's pure, the coffee's good. In the same way, when our heart, when our mind, when our conscience is defiled, what flows out is defiled as well. But when the heart, when the mind, the conscience is pure, what flows out is pure as well. It is an inside-out faith, not an outside-in. It is not church behavioral modification, but heart transformation. And at this point, Paul's going to take us deeper. Paul's, Paul's now going to give us more insight to this, and I believe this is so important. No matter who you are, how old you are, how young you are, where you come from, I believe this is so important. Paul says they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for any good work. I want you to imagine something with me. I have scrubs up here. Um, and before we do this, um, I, I want you to know, doctors and medical stuff, kind of give me the heebie-jeebies a little bit, so I'm struggling. I feel like it's coming up on me. Anyway, um, I want you to imagine something with me, though. 
so I have, I have scrubs up here. I have um, this, this gauze. I have some, oh, how about these? You got those? Those give me the creeps. Um, a stethoscope. I want you to imagine. I am going to, by the way, I asked for a scalpel. I was told no. It's probably good. <laughs> I don't know if I want one of those. Um, I want you to imagine, though, that I, I suit up. I put all this on. I, um, I get all my equipment ready. I start telling everyone that I'm a doctor, and, and then the next time that you need a surgery, I'm going to do it. I'll call myself a doctor. I will look like one, and I'm going to take care of it. How many of you would want me to perform your surgery? There's no one. No one trusts me. Not even my own kids raise their hands. Um... And why not? Why not? Because look at, that's a wise decision, by the way. Looking like a doctor on the outside, professing to be a doctor, does not make me a doctor. Looking like a doctor on the outside, having all the doctor things, saying I'm a doctor, does not make me fit for the work of a doctor. Paul says unfit for any good work. Dressing up like professing to be a doctor does not make me fit for the work of a doctor. In a way, this is exactly like what was happening here in Crete. in these churches to whom Paul was writing. In a way, this is like what was happening in the church. And in a way, this can so often be a lot like what happens in the church today. Not that we have people impersonating doctors. That is highly illegal. Do not do that. Not that we have people going around wearing scrubs and saying they're doctors when they're not. Um, But what we do see in both the ancient church of Crete and the modern church of 2019 are those who profess to know God, who say, sure, I am a Christian, but whose lives tell us, project a completely different story. Those who profess to follow Christ yet do not follow. Those who profess to know Christ yet there is no evident fruit of that relationship. In fact, Paul says, there are some who have this kind of profession of God But the sum of their lives, not only does it not profess what they believe, but it outright denies Christ. There is a disconnect. All of this this morning, all of chapter 1, comes back to the gospel. What I mean by this is the gospel tells us that our salvation is in Jesus. It's not based on our works. It's not based on anything that we do. That our life in Christ is not based on our works or anything that we do. The gospel tells us that we are saved by grace of God through faith alone in Christ alone. And that the life we live now in Christ is no longer ours, but it is in Christ That the gospel works from the inside out. That the spirit of God works from the heart out. That we are not talking about behavioral modification. The gospel is heart transformation. 
Salvation, when God saves us, Scripture says that we are born again. The Bible tells us that, we, that the old is gone, it's passed away. And that we are new. We have a new heart, Scripture says. No longer this heart of stone, but instead we are made new creations. In other words, church, I want you to hear me. Through the gospel, through the gospel, Christ does not just want to change your behavior. He wants to change your everything. Everything. Going back to our analogy, I don't care how nice these scrubs are. I, no matter how many medical conferences I go to, no matter how much I might even start to figure out how to talk like a doctor and act like a doctor, I don't even care how many hospital sitcoms that I happen to watch. It doesn't change the fact that I am not a medical doctor. And, and more than that, the way to become a doctor is not through these things. These are the outward things that a doctor might wear and use, but these things do not cause one to become a doctor. In the same way, church, no matter how much Christian language you know, no matter how many church services you attend, no matter how much you might look the part and act like a part, the part, you do not become a follower of Christ through those things. You do not become a Christian through works of any kind. Now, these might be the outward things that we as followers of Jesus do. Nothing wrong with these things, but these things do not cause us to become followers of Jesus. No work does that. Only Christ does that. Church, this morning, for, the message for us is clear. Christ is calling us to turn away from sin in repentance and to turn to Christ in faith. To get off of the world's path. To go down an entirely new one. To turn back from the world's system. To turn away from that empty religion. To turn away from self-righteousness and self-sufficiency. Hear me, I'm talking about a radical change, not a partial change. It's not a both and straddling the fence of both of these worlds. It's not partial. I'm also not talking about a superficial change. One that if you just change, maybe shuffle some minor rearrangement of some things in your life, switch around some of the things so that outward you look the part a little bit, modify your behavior just a bit. I'm not talking about a superficial thing. I'm also not talking about an addition thing. I'm not talking about you taking your life and now just add a little, sprinkle a little Jesus on it. I'm not talking about that. I'm also, I'm not even talking about a gradual change, like sanctification. What I mean by this is, yes, we are called to grow in grace, and that is a lifetime process. 
where the Spirit of God just works on us and we won't be perfected until we see Him face to face. That is sanctification. We praise the Lord for that. But that's not what I'm talking about here. What I am talking about here is not partial, superficial, gradual, or additional. What I'm talking about here is conversion. What I am talking about here is the moment that we respond to the gospel, that we are changed, that we are made alive in Christ and made a new creation. I'm talking about that moment through joy and sometimes through sorrow when we say, I submit to you as my Lord and my Savior. We respond to the gospel. Not that we are perfect through our work, but we stand on the fact that we are being made perfect through Christ's work. That we are changed from the inside. That our, our mind changes. Our emotions changes. Our affections, our desire, our, our will change. That we now feel genuine sorrow over sin and genuine joy in Christ. This is an, a conversion of our entire being. Mind, will, emotions. Have you been saved by Jesus Have you been converted by Jesus? The question is, no matter how young or old you are this morning, no matter your past or your presence or your present, the, the question is, have you been made new by Jesus? Have you been converted, regenerated from the old ways of the world to a new life in Jesus Christ? I want you to hear me. If... if you heard nothing else this morning. I, I, want you to, I want you to hear this. Christ does not just want to make, to change your behavior and make you better. To make you do less bad things and make you do more good things. Christ does not just want to give you fire insurance that you get heaven later. He doesn't just want to make it to where you know how to look the part and talk the part and act the part. Christ did not die to give you an empty religion with empty religious motions. He died so that you might truly live and truly change. Christ wants to change you completely, fully. To change your heart, not just your behavior. To give you life abundantly and eternally. To give you true, real, and a vibrant relationship with him. Not just religious motions. Christ died on the cross. Rose to life on the third day. And he changed everything. Have you responded to the gospel? Have you been changed by Christ? I want to ask in this moment if you would just bow your head with me and Let's come to our Lord in prayer. And before we pray together, um, I know I asked some kind of tough questions this morning. But I want to remind us as we pray of God's word in Romans 10. That says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For with the heart one believes and is justified, with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. There is now no distinction between Jew or Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Lord, we come to you now and we call on your name. I pray for every person who is in this room right now. As I have asked these questions and as we have tried to answer them, um, no matter who we are, no matter what we have done, your word tells us that you are Lord over all and that you pour out blessings on all who call on you. And that no matter who we are, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We stand on that this morning. And I pray for every person in this room who is dealing with, who is feeling your presence and your spirit pull them. I pray that you would give us the eyes to see, the ears to hear. That we would respond this morning to the gospel. Lord, you are good. You are so good and we thank you for who you are and for what you have done. And as we continue to respond this morning, I just pray that you would continue to work in this moment, continue to move. In Jesus' name, amen.